Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged as you listen today. The title of my message this morning, because we finished our follow series, eight weeks of follow. And you can download every session of our follow series on iTunes or go to our website and download the messages. They're all free of charge. And by all the feedback I've had, the follow series was an exceptional series. So please, please, please get onto iTunes, get onto our website and download those messages. But today I want to do a message just as a one-off message that's tailor-made for today's service. And I've simply called it this. God's plans cannot be forced. Sorry, God's hand cannot be forced and His plans cannot be thwarted. His hands cannot be forced and His plans cannot be thwarted. I want to read from the book of Matthew. Matthew is one of the 12 apostles. He's one of the eyewitnesses of all that Jesus did and said. And he wrote down what he saw Jesus doing and saying. And in Matthew 26, verse 6, it says, While Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, a, man, sorry, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured out on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. This moment is quite an awkward moment. You've got a man who's opened up his home. His name is Simon the leper. It's a very unfortunate name he has. Imagine being known as Simon the leper. He opened up his home. He had Jesus and his disciples, family and friends were gathered in his home at that moment. And then this woman, and we know by another account that it was Mary, the mother of Martha and Lazarus. It was Mary that came in and got all this perfume and just began pouring it all over Jesus. Now, I, I am, what do you got to understand? I imagine if someone was there, you know, if, if, if phones and Instagram was around 2,000 years ago, be like, someone would be taking a photo, okay? And in the photo would be Jesus being doused in perfume, the disciples around just mad and uploading it onto Instagram saying, having a great time around Simon the leper's house, hashtag awkward. <laughs> it's kind of like one of these awkward, awkward moments. Because here's Jesus, he's reclining at the table, now he's getting drenched in this perfume, which can be a little bit awkward. The disciples are mad. And they say, why this waste? And imagine Simon the leper's getting a bit nervous. He's thinking, my goodness me, if, if you're going to have a go at her about the perfume, what else is he going to have? I wonder if they like the crockery. I wonder if they like the wallpaper. I mean, like, this is a really, really awkward moment. Among the disciples, there was another disciple by the name of John, and he also wrote an account of what he saw that day. And there was a detail that Matthew left out that John opens our eyes to. And he highlights that it wasn't all the disciples so much as one disciple that had the biggest issue with this. 
And in John chapter 12, verse 46, it says, But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to keep for himself what was put into it. Now, I want to draw your attention to a few things about this man, Judas, for a moment, because we can all learn from it. Here's Judas. He's one of the 12. He's one of those close followers of Jesus. He's in the inner sanctum, the inner circle. He's a close follower of Jesus. And his request as a follower of Jesus seemed reasonable enough. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It sounds reasonable, I'm sure. Who can argue with that? That sounds like a very reasonable request. The trouble is with his request, there was something behind the words that he was using. It looked a lot like Christianity, but his words were coming from a different place. I mean, Christianity is all about helping the poor. Christianity is all about helping a person in need. It looked a lot like Christianity, but it was coming from a different place. The Bible says that the devil masquerades as an angel of light. And so what Judas did seemed reasonable. The problem is with what Judas did is that he had his own agenda. He used Christian words, but he had an ulterior motive. He had another agenda. John records that he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was the one who was in charge of the money. People were giving money to Jesus for his ministry and, and the ministry was being looked after by Judas because they didn't want Matthew, the tax collector, looking after the money. Oh no. And they doubted very much that Thomas could do a good job of it. And so here's Judas keeping track of the money. And he wanted the money from the perfume to go into the treasury so that he could go into the treasury and take the money for himself. He did not say, why was this sold and given, uh, the money not given to the poor? He did not say that because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, he was a robber. He wanted the money for himself, but he disguised it as a well-meaning Christian that cared for people, in particular, the poor. It's interesting to note that it's possible to follow Jesus and at the same time use Jesus for your own ends. And that's exactly what Judas was doing. He was following Jesus, but he was also using Jesus to get out of Jesus what he wanted from Jesus. He was following Jesus, but using Jesus to get out of Jesus what he wanted from Jesus. That's not Christianity. And the problem is his agenda influenced others. It was Judas, John says, that was indignant. But Matthew said it was all the disciples. It's interesting to me that one man's agenda was able to influence the other 11 disciples. 
Why this waste, the disciples said. In other words, Judah's agenda, Judas's agenda became their agenda. And I wonder what that looked like around the table that day. Simon the leper had opened up his home. This woman, Mary, comes and pours perfume on Jesus' head and it ran down to his feet. And I imagine Judas just starts to whispers. I imagine Judas that day, just full of indignation, looks over and says, hey, Peter, um, how much do you think that perfume was worth? Looks like a lot of money to me. What do you reckon? What do you reckon? Probably about a, what, a year's wages, I reckon. And he starts to put what's in his heart into the head of the other disciples. And I imagine Peter thinking, oh, I've never even thought about it. Just enjoying the show. I was just taking some photos, ready to upload it onto Instagram. But now you mention it. Yeah, it is a bit of a waste. In actual fact, you're right. That money could have been given to the poor. Hang on a minute. I'm going to change my hashtag. <laughs> hashtag, give your money to the poor. And now he's got Peter on side. I wonder if he leans over to John and says, John, how much do you think that perfume's worth? I don't know. It's like a lot of money to me. Yeah, I suppose. What do you reckon about a year's, work, year's wages? Yeah, I suppose. Where are you going? Don't you think the money could have been better used? Well, yeah, actually, now you think about it. Yes. As a matter of fact, I'm going to change my hashtag too now. And now all the disciples are grumbling, but really it's just one disciple who's got the issue. His agenda became their agenda. And so Judas is working the room and working the room is a very Christian value of ours, but you can work the room for good or you can work the room for evil. And he's working the room for evil. Gets up from his seat. I'm just going to just work the room, just sits next to Bartholomew and say, hey, Bartholomew, smell that perfume. How much is the perfume's worth? And one by one just begins to pick them off and now they're all indignant. But here's the thing that Judas forgot. He forgot a few things. And these are the things that we would do well to remember. And the first thing is simply this, that Jesus knows the hearts of all men. Yeah. In Matthew 26, going back to our original text, verse 10, it says, aware of this. So all this is going on, but Jesus is not fooled. Jesus is very aware of what is going on. And He said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing for me. The poor you will always have, but you won't always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, whoever, or sorry, whenever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus was incredibly aware. It was not a good move to whisper when you are around Jesus. Whenever you were whispering around Jesus, Jesus was very aware that you were whispering and He was very aware of what you were whispering about. 
You know what? He was so aware it wasn't even good to have a bad thought around Jesus because he seemed to be able to get in your head and know what you were thinking before you even said it. And so he would call you on what you were thinking before you even opened your mouth. He's brilliant. And Judas tended to forget this thought. Jesus was very aware. And being aware of what was going on, he stands up for the woman. I love this. He stands up for this woman in a very male-dominated society. He makes a stand. Jesus was the first woman's liver. He stands up for this woman because he's aware of what these stupid men are doing. And he draws a line in the sand. Not only does he stand up for her, but he commends her when others were condemning her. The 12 are condemning her and Jesus is commending her. Do you know by me telling you this account, we are fulfilling Scripture? Because Jesus said, whenever the gospel about me is told throughout the world, this story of this woman will also be told. And here we are 2,000 years later, fulfilling what Jesus said. It's an amazing thing. Judas was about to learn a very important lesson that God's hand cannot be forced and His plans cannot be thwarted. Which brings me to our second point this morning, that Jesus won't stop you doing what you want to do. He not only knows the hearts of all men, but He's not going to stop you doing what you want to do in your heart. Matthew 26, reading on, verse 14. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, Ah, sorry, why are you willing to give me, sorry, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. This is like the most crazy thing a man could ever do. Judas was in the house of a man that had Lazarus in it. The very man that rose from the dead. And Judas thought, I'm going to hand him over. Judas thought he could hand the one who was able to heal the sick and raise the dead and open the eyes of the blind, Judas came up with this idea that I'm going to hand him over to the religious authorities. I don't know what possessed him, but he went to the religious authorities. He went to the chief priests and he agrees to betray Jesus. Where did this thought come from? I believe that Judas at this moment had just had enough had waited too long. He'd been following Jesus for some three, three and a half years and was getting a bit impatient. We recognise that you are going to be king and uh, you're just talking about death now and you're talking about giving up now. This is ridiculous. This is just not, this is just not kosher. If you're not interested in being king, then I'm not interested in following you anymore. 
And so Jesus, uh, Judas waits for an opportune time to hand him over. Now, the thing about Jesus, it was not hard to find Jesus. All you had to do to find Jesus is look for the biggest crowd and Jesus was there. So they knew where Jesus was. That was not the problem. The problem was how do we get to Him? Because getting to Jesus was really hard because of all the crowd and because most of the crowd loved Jesus doing the miracles, they weren't going to let someone just carry Him off real quickly. So getting to Jesus is going to be really hard when you're pushing through a big crowd saying, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. You know what it's like in a big crowd. And you get to Jesus, now you're going to do that again, but with the guy they, the crowd don't want you to take with you. They knew if they grabbed Jesus and said, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, ex-, they're going to get lynched themselves. Going to, it's not going to go well for them. So the religious authorities wanted to arrest Jesus, but they just couldn't because there was too many people around all the time. And so Judas says, I'm going to help you get to Jesus. Because your problem is not knowing where he is, it's when he's alone. And so Judas agrees to betray Jesus at a convenient time, an opportune time, a time when he's isolated and all alone. And that is when the enemy wants to attack you most, when you are isolated and all alone. And so Judas, operating in a different spirit than Christianity, a religious spirit, is looking for an opportune time when Jesus is isolated and all alone and vulnerable, when the crowd cannot protect Him. And so he waits for this opportune time to come his way. Judas was about to learn a very important lesson, that God's hand cannot be forced and his plans cannot be thwarted. So why would Judas do this? Well, the best educated guess we can come up with is that Judas thought he could force the hand of Jesus. See, Judas recognised there was something special about Jesus, but it was just taking too long. And so he thought, if I hand him over to the religious authorities, then maybe he'll pronounce that he is king. And so I'm just helping the process along. I can just force the hand of God. I can get the, uh, the will of God happening a little bit quicker because it's taking far too long for me. Does anyone know what I'm on about? It's called impatience. And so he thought I can help God out by just forcing his hand because it wasn't going fast enough. And we have to assume that Judas assumed that Jesus would not let anything bad happen to him because he'd slipped out of the authorities' hands many times before. There are many times the religious authorities wanted to arrest Jesus, but he slipped through their grasp, he slipped through their grasp, he slipped through their grasp. And Judas was watching this the whole time. And we have to assume that Judas assumed that nothing bad would happen to Jesus because he'd escaped harm on every other occasion. So if I hand him over to the religious authorities, it's going to force the hand of Jesus. He'll have to stand up, call down angels and take his rightful reign as king and I'll be right there with him. But he was about to learn an important lesson that day that God's hand cannot be forced and God's plan will not be thwarted. 
And so Judas just wanted to speed up things and get richer in the meantime. It's a win-win for him. And so at Passover, Jesus was breaking bread. He was talking about the cup of a new covenant. And among other details, he said, we're going to go to a garden Gethsemane and we're going to do some praying. Just us. And Judas saw the opportune time to leave the Passover and go to the authorities and say, I've got him. You know that guy, Jesus, that you're after and he's always got people around him? Tonight, this very night, he's going to be all alone. He's going to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's going to be dark. So you're going to need to bring torches. You're going to need to bring soldiers. We're going to get one shot at this. This doesn't happen too often. And so you don't arrest the wrong guy because we've only got to get one shot at this. I'm going to arrange a signal with you so you know exactly who to arrest. I'm going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss. Which says that Jesus did not go round in bright white clothes, as some illustrations would suggest. That he did not have blonde hair and blue eyes in a Jewish community. I mean, really, if Jesus had these bright white clothes, blonde hair, blue eyes, I don't think you would have to arrange a signal to kiss This guy, you say, look for Blondie. (laughs) Look for the guy that's got really brand new clothes. Look for the guy with a halo around his head. See, we paint this picture of what Jesus looked like and it's just not accurate. Jesus was so normal in so many ways. He blended in. And so they had to arrange a sign. And so Judas came and got his 30 pieces of silver. But he was about to learn a very important lesson. That God's hand cannot be forced. And his plans cannot be thwarted. And so Judas, with the, disciples, uh, with the soldiers, came to the garden, saw Jesus. Judas goes up to him, gives him a kiss. And Jesus is indeed arrested. The disciples flee. Jesus is taken to Caiaphas, the high priest. In Matthew 27, verse 1, it says, Early in the morning, all the chief priests and all the elders of the people made their plans of how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. This is where Judas' plan went horribly wrong. It's bad enough when a good plan goes bad. It's unbearable when a bad plan goes bad. This was a bad plan of Judas to start with and it got horribly worse. See, in Judas' wildest imagination, he never thought that Rome would ever be involved. He wanted to hand them over to the religious authorities. It was the religious authorities that Judas went to. 
And he knew that they did not have good grounds to crucify Jesus. He was just trying to force the hand of Jesus. He was trying to get him to do something sooner than later. They, Rome was never meant to be involved. The trouble is the religious authorities didn't know what to do with Jesus because they knew they didn't have the authority to crucify him. So they brought Rome into the equation. And Judas was seized with remorse. Matthew 27, verse 35, when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he's thinking, oh no, this has gone horribly wrong. Jesus is not meant to die. Rome was not meant to be involved. He was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the priests and the elders. He said, I have sinned. I have betrayed innocent blood. See, Judas knew that Jesus was innocent. And they said, what is this to us? They replied, that's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left and they went away and he hanged himself. He hanged himself. Judas thought that by forcing the hand of God, he could help out. But it's a bad idea that got worse. And he hanged himself. See, some of our decisions that we make in life are difficult to live with. And for Judas, he couldn't live with it at all. And he committed suicide. In trying to help God out, he ended up getting in the way and he took his own life. The amazing thing about this account is that not only Jesus doesn't stop us doing what we want to do, but my third point is this, that Jesus, sorry, Judas didn't stop Jesus doing what Jesus came to do. So Jesus didn't stop Judas, but Judas also didn't stop Jesus. And so Jesus is crucified and he dies upon the cross. And here's the amazing twist in all that's taken place that Judas in trying to enforce his will in the situation, becomes an accidental player in our salvation. Yeah. See, God's hand cannot be forced and his plans cannot be thwarted. God's plans are accomplished through this horrible, selfish act. God's plans are unfolded as a result of Judas' bad decision. And Judas learnt a very important lesson that day. That God's hand cannot be forced. And his plans cannot be thwarted.
as our musicians come this morning, I want to conclude with this thought. That there's a little bit of Judas in all of us. A little bit of selfishness. A little bit of impatience. A little bit of wanting to force the hand of God. A little bit of us thinking we know better than Him. And it causes us to do some bad things on certain occasions. But the good news is this, that God is working all things together for the good. And no matter how much we get in the way and mess things up, whatever God wants to do, He's going to do anyway. He'll do it with us. He'll do it without us. He'll even do it in spite of us. The challenge for us is to embrace the incredible privilege and the incredible opportunity that we have. To work with him in seeing his plans fulfilled. Every one of us in this room today has an opportunity to be a player, a follower, a disciple of the plans that God has for our lives, for the people of this community. But the choice is ours. It's up to us. And if you say, that's fine, Tony, nice story, but I'm out of here. That's fine. That's your prerogative. That's you exercising your free will, which God gave you in the first place. And you are free to choose that as an option. See, Jesus never stopped Judas doing what Judas wanted to do. And if we want to go out of this place and ignore this message, you are free to do that. If you want to just go out and get drunk today, you're free to do that. If you want to smoke all the drugs you want, you are free to do that. There are many people exercising their freedom in those areas and doing it every weekend. We've just had schoolies, or we're in the middle of schoolies right now down at Victor Harbour, and many young people are exercising their free will to do what they want to do, declaring that they are Lord of their own life. And God is not stopping them doing that. Such is His love, such is His grace, such is His mercy toward humanity that He gives us the right to choose Him or reject Him. Why do bad things happen if there is a God of love? Because the God of love lets us make choices. He's not a God that controls us nor manipulates us. He loves us so much to say, go on, do what you want to do. Knowing that if they choose to come to Him, it's because it's a genuine act of love in return. Jesus never stopped Judas. In actual fact, on the night of Passover, He said, friend. And that word friend was meant to arrest Him but it didn't. He said, friend, go and do what you've got to do. Knowing full well that he was about to be betrayed, he calls him friend and says, go do it. But I can only imagine on that night 
when Judas went back to the chief priests and threw the 30 pieces of silver on the floor and said, I've betrayed innocent blood. I can only imagine that Judas would have loved to be able to turn back the clock to that night of Passover and have that moment again. I can only imagine this remorseful man would have loved to go back just a few hours to that moment and not agreed to betray Jesus. But for him, it was too late. The good news for us this morning is this. While we have life and while we have breath in our lungs, it's not too late because we serve a God of a second chance. We serve a God of a third chance. We serve a God of a fourth chance. We serve a God of a fifth chance. We serve a God who loves us and calls us friends, even though we are sinners, even though we ignore Him, even though we betray Him. Even when we use His name in vain, He calls us friends because His heart is toward us. He has initiated the greatest act of love to humanity the world has ever seen. And now He waits for a response. And there is only two responses. You will either accept Him or you will reject Him. It's as simple as that. Every relationship in life involves more than one person. When I was 14 years of age, I skated up to a young lady that I kind of was attracted to. And I had the dubious task of asking her to go in a couple skate where we could hold hands and I could get to know her. So I initiated an act of kindness, an act of love. And the ball was in her court. She had a moment to accept or reject me. And she chose wisely that day. <laughs> and we did do couple skating that night. And we've been together ever since. And that was 30 years ago next March. And we've been together because she responded to my initiation. And so it is with God. Because Christianity, in spite of all the notions that are out there, is nothing more than a relationship with our Creator. And he initiated his act of love when he went on the cross. And now he waits for a response. You know, Judas, even on that night where he was so remorseful, he didn't have to take his own life. He didn't have to. It wasn't over. It wasn't over. He could have actually come back to Jesus and said, I'm so sorry. And that's what we call repentance. But he was so filled with remorse. The voices in his head were so loud, call yourself a Christian, call yourself a follower of Jesus, you shouldn't have done that. And at that moment in his life, he listened to the wrong voice. 
Because there's a moment for even Judas to have a fresh start. Such is the love. Such is the power. Such is the grace of our God. You would be right in thinking, I don't know your story. I don't know your background. I don't know what you've done. You would be right because I don't. But God does. And it doesn't scare him. He's not horrified or terrified of whatever it is that you've got up to. It's while you were doing all that stuff, he loved you. And he continues to love you. And if you are willing to respond, he's willing to receive. You is his daughter or son. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 